Welcome to The Breakdown with Broadcorp and Becky, a weekly podcast that breaks down politics, policy, and current affairs. I'm Becky Scher. And I'm Michael Broadcorp. Today, we are excited to be joined by Representative Kristen Robbins. Representative Robbins was elected in 2018 and is currently serving her third term representing Medina, Loretto, and parts of Maple Grove. Prior to being elected to the Minnesota legislature, Robbins spent time on Capitol Hill where she met her husband. After her work in Washington and furthering her education, Robbins returned to Minnesota where she co-founded and served as executive director for the Economic Club of Minnesota. At the Minnesota Capitol, Robbins has taken aim at big tech by authoring legislation that would prohibit social media companies from targeting minors with unsolicited content. She's been vocal on parent choice and education, and she also championed the first bill to propose using federal COVID money for grants to keep small businesses afloat during the government shutdown. Robbins is currently a leader on the grassroots effort for the Nikki Haley campaign here in Minnesota. With Robbins, we are going to break down her background and what we can expect in the 2024 legislative session. We will then break down her work on behalf of Ambassador Haley and why she has chosen to vocally support someone other than former President Donald Trump. We will continue our conversations from earlier interviews by breaking down the impact Trump may have on down-ballot races, like Robbins' own, in 2024 and what she is hearing from Republican activists. Following our interview, Michael and I will break down the Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift love story and its impact on the NFL and our lives. We will discuss some fun angles that have emerged as the NFL and others embrace this new spotlight, and then we will break down the mega conspiracy theories and why some Republicans are outraged by their situation. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy the show. We are joined today by Representative Kristen Robbins. Representative, I want to start, before we get into your work as a legislator, can you share a little bit about your background? I know you spent some time on Capitol Hill, and then you also co-founded the Economic Club of Minnesota, where you served as executive director. So if you can walk us a little through your history leading up to your decision to run for office. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks for having me. So as you mentioned, right after college, I lived and worked in Washington, D.C. I was a legislative assistant and then legislative director for a member of Congress from Illinois and really loved policy, have always been interested in it and was really a dream job. Then I met my husband, was married, went to grad school, came back to Minnesota after grad school. And I briefly uh, for three years worked at the Minnesota legislature on loving for education reform issues, particularly parent choice. And that was during the Governor Carlson years, and it was a great experience. Had three beautiful daughters, was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years, and always was just a really active community volunteer, both in my kids' school, in my church, and in a lot of different political campaigns. And through that time, when I worked in Congress, I was the leader of a bipartisan group from the staff perspective, the Porkbusters Coalition, and it was my boss, Harris Faywell, and Congressman Tim Penny from Minnesota. Oh, wow. And so I was like a surrogate staffer for Harris and Tim running the coalition. And then I also had volunteered for Mark Kennedy's campaigns when he was a congressman. And when Mark and Tim both left political life, they both knew me, but didn't know each other that well. And they asked me to run the Economic Club of Minnesota, a nonprofit they wanted to start to focus on Minnesota's competitiveness. And I have a master's in economics. It's my wheelhouse. And because I knew both of them, it was a really great opportunity to do something to support Minnesota's economic growth. So I started that, ran it for 10 years until I stepped down when I was elected. That's fantastic. fantastic. Absolutely. Now, you 
spend time, have done a lot in your or your education, getting your master's, a lot in your political world and policy world. You were a stay-at-home mom for a while. Tell us why it was important for you to step up and run for public office. It really was just the opportunity that presented itself. I really was very happy running Ecom and being super involved with my kids and had not really thought about running for office myself. I loved volunteering and being helpful and supporting other candidates. But my former rep was Joyce Pepin, and she stepped down. She had actually already filed to run again and then stepped down at the very end of session in 2018. And we were all shocked. Like I tried to talk her out of it. I'm like, no, we need you, Joyce. But she found a job in the private sector and that was the right time for her and her family. And so people knew I knew what to do and that I volunteered a lot. So we were, I think it was four days from the end of the filing period. And people were like, we need a name on the ballot. You got to get your name out there. So I didn't have a big plan to run, but when the opportunity came up, I just was available and my family supported it. So we decided to go for it. I love that. I think uh, Michael and I have both in, been in situations where you're making those calls and trying to get those folks to run. And, and obviously, you've done a great job for your district and at the state legislature. Speak a little bit to what you've been working on and your priorities in the upcoming election, or I'm sorry, legislative session. We know there's still the trifecta in place, but a lot of work that is hopefully going to be done. And, and hopefully, Republicans, yourself included, get to have a voice in the process this time around. Oh, we will absolutely try to have a voice. I really feel like it's really important for Minnesotans that they know that we are fighting for them. And so I'm on the tax committee. So a lot of the issues I work on are around budget and taxes. Clearly, that it's a huge impact on Minnesota's competitiveness. Last year, the Democrats spent $17.5 billion in the surplus. They raised taxes $10 billion and they grew budget the state budget by 38%. It's completely unsustainable. The forecast already shows looming deficits, trying to rein in spending and work on policies that we can do without raising costs to Minnesotans is really important to me. Addressing Minnesota's need to make life more affordable. I hear all the time how people can't afford gas and groceries, seniors, families. People are working so hard and they're getting further behind because of the inflation. So we really need to focus on how we can ease the burden on Minnesotans, not raise the burden on Minnesotans. So some of the issues I'll be working on are the paid family leave bill, I really care about social media and kids. This has been one of my big passions at the legislature. I have a bill that has strong bipartisan support to stop big tech companies from targeting kids with unsolicited content. I'm very optimistic that we'll have bipartisan support this year and we'll get that done. Um, I really care about education and the READ Act, making sure that works so that we are addressing the literacy crisis in this state. So those are some of the top line issues I'll be working on. But I'll be in all the fights. I oppose uh, making Minnesota a sanctuary state. I oppose the assisted suicide bill. I will not shy away from fighting those fights for Minnesotans. There's one aspect of your career I really wanted to highlight, and you mentioned it just now, which is social media. I'm a dad. I have three kids. And my kids, we have a pretty strong social media policy in terms of their use of it, very limited use of it. And I've explained to my kids that I think that social media is going to be, in some ways, um, going to be something like cigarettes. Down the road, we're going to realize the harm that it causes. At one point, Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble did commercials for uh, cigarettes and talked about their brand. And social media is something that is really a concern of mine. And particularly, I have twin daughters. And I was very concerned 
and I've had a lot of conversations with them about the use of social media. They have very limited use, but it, it, I've shared with them a number of legislative activity related to and other kind of peer studies that are done, just general kind of consumer awareness about how young girls feel when they're engaging in social media and how it can target them and bombard them with stuff. And so I really want to just applaud you as a parent, myself as a parent, applaud your efforts in related to social media, because as someone who uses it very aggressively myself, I understand the pitfalls it can have for kids, the targeting, and it's just a real concern of mine. And so I just wanted to applaud your efforts on that as a parent of, of, of three teenagers who uh, and we've had that struggle inside our house, how to use social media and how to use it properly. They've come around to where they were a few years ago. And I think they certainly now understand the balanced conversations I've had with them about how social media can really impact your kind of mental health and your well-being. And I just wanted just to say, I, I appreciate your efforts and I hope that there's a bipartisan consensus and you get the support you need to get some work done on that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I really am hopeful. Zach Stevenson, who's the DFL chair of the Commerce Committee, has been a solid supporter of this throughout the process. And we're working really well together on this. And we are in a mental health crisis that really the there's demonstrable research now that links it to when social media became widely available to kids. And it's about the design of these um, apps. They are intentionally designed to keep our kids engaged as long as possible. And th there's really no dispute about it anymore. And if you, if the public is interested in something, I want to recommend Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. He's a researcher at, um, a, a professor at the Columbia, no, New York University. And he has done extensive research on the harmful impacts of this and has a great substack on it. So Follow Jonathan Haidt on Twitter and you will learn a lot and you will see the facts of how th this is so impactful. And the other thing I want to give a quick shout out to you while we're on this topic is encouraging parents to get your schools to go cell phone free. My Maple Grove Middle School in Maple Grove, they went cell phone free this year. And at first it was quite controversial and it has been a game changer. So parents, teachers, students all are thankful that they took this step. There's um, less drama, less bullying, much more engagement in the lunchroom, much more focus and attention in the classroom. Across the board, he is being universally praised. So shout out to Patrick Smith, Maple Grove Junior High principal. He got it done. And I want all other parents to encourage your schools to do the same. Thank you for those resources. And again, just thank you for your work that you're doing. I'm glad you brought it up, but I was going to acknowledge it anyways, but just thank you again for your work. Two things real quick on that. Representative, if people are interested in working to make their school cell phone free, what would you recommend? Do they reach out to their superintendent or their principals or how do they go about that? Yeah, I would recommend reaching out to your principal. It's usually a building by building decision. And so really, and go with other parents. And there's been some media attention around the Maple Grove Junior High. Look up those stories and see how it's been uh, successful and there was some initial pushback. Parents were concerned, how will I reach my kids and all this? But really, you can always call the school office and they'll get a note to your kid. And it's that the gains far outweigh what people feared would be harmful. And really, there haven't been harms. And the gains in terms of social climate in the school, less bullying, increased positive mental health strides for students. It's just been a game changer. So yeah, please, parents, Go, go in and ask for this. Your school will really benefit. 
Just one more comment on that for me is I have a 19-month-old son. Michael and I have discussed a little bit of what things could even look like when it's down to him. And it is something that I've thought about a lot. Uh, Social media came out when I was a freshman in college. Facebook really came out then. Michael's shaking his head. Uh, And Facebook (laughs) then was only university students that could go, college university students that could be on it. And so it has certainly evolved. I feel very lucky that it wasn't around when I was in high school and those early years as widespread and as damaging as it can be. Obviously, I spend a lot of time on it myself now, but I think that things have evolved to a way that is certainly concerning. And so who knows what it's going to look like in 13, 14 years when my son's around that age. But I do also appreciate your efforts. I think it's really important and it's, it's proving that it's making a difference. I want to move in now. So there was a Star Tribune article this last weekend about your or about the Nikki Haley campaign here in Minnesota, the efforts Haley versus Trump. You are one of the leaders for the grassroots efforts here on behalf of Nikki Haley in Minnesota. So can you tell us a little bit about why you support Ambassador Haley and why you're working on behalf of her campaign throughout the state? Yes, thank you very much for asking. I think Nikki Haley is a tremendous leader. And I think she's a very strong conservative. She has a great track record as a two-term governor and as our UN ambassador during the Trump administration. And I think she's the leader for this point in our country's history. 70% of the public does not want to see a rematch between President Biden and President Trump. People want to move forward, not look back. And I think Nikki is uniquely positioned to do that. She has the executive experience. She has the international experience at a time when we're facing serious global challenges. And so I'm very proud to support her and we're working hard. I think a lot of Minnesotans are taking a look at her and are excited about it. One of the comments or quotes you had in that article, too, was our party is better when we have a contest and whoever ends up being our nominee will be better off having to face the voters, stump for votes and do speeches and take questions. We have talked a lot about that, especially as the debates have gone on, how it is unfortunate that Trump was not participating and able to be a part of those conversations. Um, One of the reasons we like this podcast and have this platform is because we believe these conversations and being able to ask questions and really have thoughtful discussions is important to listeners, to voters, to everyone. Um, And so can you speak a little bit to why you think having not just paving the way for Trump to get the nomination, even if it looks like that's going to be the case, why it is important to have gone through this process with the candidates and now ultimately Haley and Trump? Oh, absolutely. So it's all of those things. It's like the candidates become better. I think the country and our party is stronger because we had 14 candidates at one point and we got to hear most of them on the debate stage. We got to have a lot of give and take on issues and understand nuances of where people were coming down on questions. And as that field narrowed, certainly it has benefit Ambassador Haley, but it also was a proving ground. A lot of those people we saw on that stage early on will be back. And so they will be better candidates for having been on the big stage early. And I think the citizens of this country, whether Republican or Democrat in both parties, deserve to have their potential leaders um, sort of duke it out and answer questions and have to respond to them. I don't think the country was well served by President Biden hiding in his basement in the 2020 election. And I don't think we're being well served now by President Trump and Ambassador Haley not debating because really the voters have to have more information to decide. I'm an economist. We always talk about perfect information. There is no such thing, but the more information we have, the better decision we will make as a party and as a country. So I'm all for it. And why, when you were looking at this, we 
I always think it's really impressive when candidates are willing to be vocal about their opinions, especially in a race like this. We talked a lot about the congressional delegation coming out for Trump and how that was to be expected because of what in here at the doors and from the delegates and and Republican voter base. Why did you think it was important to be a vocal supporter of Ambassador Haley? First of all, it's what I think, and I never shy away from telling voters what I think, and then the voters will decide if they want me or not, and I totally respect my voters, but I'm not going to hide from them that I'm a supporter of Nikki Haley. And secondly, I was disappointed with our congressional delegation. I really think they could have taken the the tack that they're going to welcome the the debate and the primary. Minnesota has a presidential primary. Let Republican voters pick who they want. And I think it drives more engagement in the process if we have two people in the primary race. Otherwise, I think a lot of people would stay home. And I think robust participation in the presidential primary is good for all of us on all levels of the ballot. So I think having a a horse race is good for our party. I was not a supporter of Trump in, in 16 or 20. And I'm, if I was Supporting a candidate public in this race, it would, it would. Becky and I have done a number of shows about the presidential debates, and I think it's fair to say, in some ways, and she can answer for herself, that we both align and identify much more with Nikki Haley's candidacy and would like to see her succeed. One of the concerns that I have is if Donald Trump is a nominee, uh, again, and I say that as someone who didn't support him in 16 or 20, how does Donald Trump help Republicans? particularly in the area of the suburbs and where Republicans needed to grow and develop and win those in those races and those down ballot races. As I mean, I live in Egan, I'm a suburban dad. And I think that just in terms of the, in the political environment for Republicans, having someone of Nikki Haley coming in and being the candidate is much more of an inclusive bring people into the movement than necessarily what Trump would have. I think, I don't see that Trump is necessary. I don't see that Trump is a net positive in the Republican efforts to win. And so with that being said, how do you think Haley does in the suburbs and and what advantages tactically and from a strategic standpoint, but also in terms of coattails, how does Nikki Haley, do you think, have strengths or weaknesses over Donald Trump? I think she has a lot of strengths. She was a two-term, she twice voted for President Trump and served in his cabinet. So she is not someone who would come out and say, oh, everything he did was terrible. And she articulately talks about how it's really just time to turn the page. We need a new generation of leadership. And that's also why I'm supporting her. I am not here to criticize President Trump. I think some of his policies were excellent and I had some concerns about some of them, but that's true of any politician. I'm sure my voters don't agree with me all the time either, but directionally, I think I have their support and I'm grateful for it. And So what Nikki brings to the table in this election is a new generation of leadership and a fresh voice on some of these debates. And we really need that. We cannot go back and relitigate 2020, which I think both President Biden and President Trump would want to do. We have serious financial and global issues that are right here on our doorstep that need to be dealt with. And if people are looking back and relitigating old fights, we are not going to be leading the country in the way that we need to go forward and to be successful and to be free and prosperous. And Nikki has shown that she definitely is a conservative leader, but that she also is speaking to the current generation. I have three young daughters all in their 20s. They really look up to Ambassador Haley. 
And I think a lot of young women do. I think we've had trouble in our party in the past engaging women. I think Nikki is an exciting candidate to engage women and engage new voters. She's an immigrant. She has a great story of how her parents came to this country legally, built a wonderful business. And her experience as an immigrant, I think, speaks to a lot of the new families in my district and throughout our state. So I think she is a person who is building coalitions. Our politics always has to be about addition. And she is adding to the party, not limiting things, not looking back. And that's the forward thinking, proactive leadership we need to unite our country and move forward as a country. We're really at a crossroads. There's a lot of divisions. And in the suburbs, I especially, I think people want us to find the ways that we have things in common that we can work together because we all want to live the American dream. And I'm someone who firmly believes the American dream is alive and well. And Nikki has live that. So we've spoken a lot about the delegates and activists and engaged Republican voter base. What are you hearing from those as you have conversations about the presidential race? Are people open to this? Are, are, is there a path for Nikki Haley to, to go forward to be successful in Minnesota? I really think so. In the suburbs where I represent, people are really open to her and including people who love and support President Trump. I was door knocking this fall and I was in, in Maple Grove and a gentleman had a Trump 2024 flag in his front yard. And he said, who are you supporting? I said, Ambassador Haley. And I wasn't sure if he would, what he would think about that. And he said, yeah, he said, I could see supporting her. So I really think even people who support President Trump are open to new leadership and to turning the page because they know that the Trump-Biden rematch is not something that 70% of the public wants. And we also know that in poll after poll, President Trump, in some polls, he beats President Biden, in some polls, he doesn't. But Ambassador Haley always beats Biden and by a larger margin than President Trump in every single poll you've seen. And if as Republicans, we want to win the White House, which I think is the goal that unites all of us, then I really think Ambassador Haley is the best candidate. We want to win back the White House in 2024. She's the best candidate to do it in the general election. And we got to keep our eyes on the prize. We got to keep focused on winning as Republicans. Let's talk for a minute about the political environment, because by all accounts in polling, recent polling in Minnesota, Joe Biden's disapproval rating is in the low to mid 50s. Um, Republicans, you are a member of the House Republican Caucus. You guys had a record of fundraising recently. And so this is a really, it seems to be a very good energized environment for Republicans. And there's a lot of electoral opportunities. As you're coming into November, how do you see the next few months playing out? And what are the opportunities that you think are at stake? And what do Republicans need to do to capitalize on those to win in November? I I think there are a lot of opportunities for Republicans. The public is so frustrated with what happened the last legislative session. I believe the Democrats way overreached and the public is not in the mood um, for more extreme DFL policies. So we need to get four House seats to flip the House and become the House majority. And I think Minnesotans are looking for that balance in state government. The DFL trifecta of having the governor, the House and the Senate has honestly not serve Minnesota well. And I really think people are looking for that restoration of balance where the House Republicans could be a check on the DFL governor and Senate until we get everybody back on the ballot again in 2026. 
So I think we're in good shape. We have to work hard. We're recruiting candidates. We're raising money. We are doing all the things you have to do to win. And I'm very optimistic that voters will reward that. Your optimism is contagious. It definitely feels good, sounds good. We're excited and hopeful that we can be good, have good champions like you being a voice for Republicans at the Capitol this legislative session and moving towards hopefully regaining the majority in the Minnesota House in November. So thank you for your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? No, I'd say if people are interested, check out Nikki Haley's website. We really want to get people going to the polls. Early voting has already started in Minnesota. So you can go vote at your city hall during business hours right now. You can request your absentee ballot. The primary is March 5th. Minnesotans, whoever you're supporting, please get out there and vote. This really matters that your voice be heard and who our leadership is. And then also pay attention to this legislative session. Hold on to your wallets and let's get out and vote in November. So thanks for the opportunity, you guys. And thank you so much. And before you go, uh, where can people follow you? Twitter? Yes. So I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. It's K Robbins and man, I think, or just representative Kristen Robbins. I'm out there also trying to limit my social media, but I, I usually post a couple of times a day. It's a good discipline for all of us to not be on it too much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Becky, we just uh, interviewed Kristen Robbins about Nikki Haley and her work as a state legislator. Your take. I, Kristen, Representative Robbins is absolutely fantastic. I had the opportunity to get to know her a little bit through, both of us were supportive in the early days of Senator Michelle Benson's gubernatorial bid, and uh, I got to get to know her a little bit during that. And then I'm on the board of a woman lead pack here, supporting women candidates, and Kristen, Representative Robbins has, is, comes to all of the events, is very supportive, and is obviously a, a great female candidate and elected official. And so it was great to be able to sit and have a more in-depth conversation with her in this setting, hear so much about her. She has a great history, a great experience of throughout her career, and then has been an incredible advocate up at the Capitol. Obviously, working on some good bills here, the social media one that I think, as you mentioned and we spoke after the interview, hopefully we'll be able to chat with her more about. But she is somebody I love having her up at the Capitol, being a voice for very sensible, strong policies that we as Republicans are, are hopeful to get passed in, in bipartisan bills as well. So that is great. On the Haley front, love anybody that is willing to step up into that role. I know it is tough when you have some activists or, or Republican voters who are so in that mega lane that can't see beyond President Trump. So to be a candidate and an elected official yourself out there advocating on, on behalf of Ambassador Haley is a, she's just doing a great job with that. And and it's great to have someone like her in that position because I would love Haley to be able to take Minnesota. Not sure if it's going to happen, but would love it. What is your take? I know that this is, you haven't had as much opportunity to get to know Representative Robbins. What's your thought on it all? This was the first time I had the opportunity to speak with her. I obviously know her from serving in the legislature and, and just being an observer of the legislature, legislator that I am legislature that she's a representative, I thought it was, she was dynamite. I was really impressed by not only her background, but her focus and what she was talking about. I really identified with her discussion about social media, her priorities as a legislator, but also her, her support of Nikki Haley. It's something where I think that's where we would both be in this race. We're looking as for that Trump alternative in this Republican primary. 
And I think she had a lot of good points to raise about that. I also think as it also ties into a subject that you and I have spoken to immensely, which is how Republicans make gains in the suburbs and with female voters. And I was very much impressed by her message and the discussion point on that. It was a perfect interview. And it's the exact type of interview we wanted to do on this uh, show. It was a great, as I said, first opportunity I've had to ever talk with her. I was very impressed. And she has she is going places. Whether she wants to just be in the legislature or wherever she wants to go, she is, I think, re- I'm not, I shouldn't say I think, just from my perspective, it's just like average suburban dad. Kristen Robbins is really focusing on a lot of key issues that I think would resonate with suburban moms and dads where I particularly live and across the state. And her resume and just her her advocacy and where she's focused, I think she's got tremendous potential and it was a great opportunity to talk to her for the first time. And thank you for helping set up that interview because uh, it was a home run and it was just a real opportunity, I think, for our listeners to get to know her more. And and thank you for your work in setting it up because it was just a home run. And I think that Representative Robbins really has her finger on the pulse when it comes to that suburban woman or suburban parent. She's done a lot of work. She said she got interested and active on parental choice and education. She's done some work on small businesses post-COVID shutdown. She um, is advocating for parents and, and helping kids when it comes to social media. I think she really is finding these policies to champion that are something that resonate with so many. It's not a partisan right versus left. It's how do we make our keep our family strong and how do we move to get our main street together, forward together. And I really appreciate that and keeping her head down, doing good work. And we'll certainly hopefully talk to her throughout the legislative session as we move on. Absolutely. Speaking of moving on, we are going to chat football because the big game is this weekend. I don't know if the we have the right game. to call it the big game. I love well, all of the ads on different well, channels. What's it actually called? I just want to make sure you're saying Super Bowl. Okay. When you hear anybody you know, that there's got they got some strict rights around that, you got to call it the big game in most ways. Wait, we're but, not. This isn't. This isn't Russia. We're allowed to call it the Super Bowl. Have you seen the ads? They call it the big game in a lot of them. I'll send you. Let me be clear. Let me just. We're calling it the Super Bowl. If you think it we're going to Super Bowl, I'm not discussing the big game. I'm talking about the Super Bowl, the NFL Super Bowl. <laughs> it's the Super Bowl between San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Make no mistake yes. about it. This isn't some rugby match. This isn't. This is Got the it. big game. Is the Super Bowl? <laughs> it is the Super Bowl. The Super Did Bowl. Do you think this is Russia or something? We can say Super Bowl, Becky. Okay. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. All right. I'll send you some articles. Hopefully, we don't get sued. I'm just. Kidding. Why would we get sued for discussing the Super Bowl? <laughs> Super Bowl. Look, I don't want to be engaged in an unnecessary lawsuit, but by me saying Super Bowl this many times, the absolute best thing that could happen for the breakdown with Broadcore and Becky is that the as Roger Goodell in the NFL sues me for saying Super yeah, Bowl. I'm on board. Then say it. Super Bowl. There you go. Now you're This weekend is the Super Bowl. And one of the best things aside Big from game. the apps and the commercials and obviously watching some football, hopefully a good game, we're going to talk Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey once again. So there's some really cute things coming on. Everybody's taking advantage of this opportunity. You sent me a tweet or a post the other day about American Airlines flight numbers. You want to chat a little bit about that? Take it away. All right. So American Airlines have added two flights caught with the number 1989, which is 
when Taylor Swift was born and one of her most popular albums. Those flights are taking off ahead of the Super Bowl this Friday and Saturday from Kansas City to Nevada, where the Las Vegas, where the Super Bowl is being played. So 1989, cute, huh? Following the game, there is a flight 87, which is Kelsey's jersey number, that is going to be departing Las Vegas on February 12th. Adorable. It's great. It's really funny. Somebody got their paycheck made that week by going to a meeting and saying, you know what we should do? It's great. Look at all that attention. Now, now, your reaction is to say, it's cute. My reaction is to say, it's cute. It's the exact type of somebody, as you said, got their paycheck to do that. What's the other side to that? That people are upset. People are upset. It's America. People have to be upset about everything, right? Before we get into the upsetness, let's chat on one other item. The financial benefit to the NFL and the Chiefs. So this is something my husband had shared a tweet about and looked up some stories, articles. It is estimated that Taylor Swift, through since uh, she went to her first game for Travis Kelsey back in September through mid-January, it is estimated that she has helped bring in $332 million or $331 million for the NFL and the Chiefs. Wow. That's a lot of that's a lot of coin. How wild is that? That's a lot Just of coin. Just by her going, being there, being seen, being shown. Obviously, it's been a lot of hoopla, right? Like we saw after the first September game, the NFL tweeted or changed their Twitter bio to something cute, at Taylor Swift related. Everybody is glomming onto this. For good reason. They see the benefit in it. Also, a recent study showed that 13% of Americans polled said that they were more interested in football because of Taylor Swift. In particular, on among Gen Z and millennials, it was a 24 and 20% more interested in football due to Taylor Swift. Millennials That's, like Jeff Kolb. There you go. It's bonkers. This is just incredible, the Taylor Swift effect. It is an incredible. I think they're adorable. I love seeing it. Here are two very large, famous people who found love in strange places, right? It's yep. cute. I, I think it's great. I, I see no downside to this. I see no downside to this whatsoever. And I think it, it's it's perfect. I have I've never understood, and, and I've always approached this from the standpoint of, this is just great. This is just great. It's just <laughs> great. It's Hollywood. It's sports. It has everything. It's just wonderful. I can't get upset about it. I agree. Unfortunately, it appears that a, I don't know how large the group, but there is a mega conspiracy surrounding the T-Swift situation. Now, I didn't know this until I started doing some prep for a conversation when we were talking about this and Googling Taylor Swift and NFL and came up that there's this massive conspiracy theory. So apparently it's pretty much at the on the face is if the Chiefs win, mega loses. Bet you didn't know that was the case. So I'm going to read a couple things to you. So first, the the first tweet that I had seen about this was, this is, quote, the NFL is totally rigged for the Kansas City Chiefs, Taylor Swift, Mr. Pfizer, Travis Kelsey, all to spread Democrat propaganda, calling it now, Case uh, Kansas City wins, goes to the Super Bowl, Swift comes out at the halftime show and endorses Joe Biden with Kelsey at midfield. That's just a bunch of nonsense. Crazy. The tie-in there is what makes this such an even crazier conspiracy is the tie-in is Mr. Pfizer, Travis Kelsey. This gets into COVID stuff, which is what spins them all up. 
because and, uh, Travis Kelsey has is a paid endorser of Pfizer, COVID boosts, all of that thing, and the mega folks are not pleased about that. And so they're dragging Taylor Swift in. Some yes, yes, and so some of them have tried to claim that this is all an op. Correct. That this is some type of op, a government op. This is some psychop, some psyop. Excuse me, some psyop. That that's going on here. That this is some operation. That Taylor Swift is a puppet of the government and the Biden government, and this is all an operation that's unfolding in front of our lives. And one would think that it is just around some black helicopter esque low level mega voters, but our good friend Vivek tweeted about it. He said, I wonder if he's going to win the Super Bowl next month. And I wonder if there's a major presidential endorsement coming from an artificially, culturally propped up couple this fall. Just some wild speculation over here. Let's see how it ages over the next eight months. Presidential candidates literally throwing out there that there is something more to this. I got to give a little credit to Reince Priebus, our good friend from Wisconsin, who was RNC chief of staff or an RNC chair and then chief of staff for Trump. He called it a powder keg of stupidity. Which this is, is a, powder, a powder keg of stupidity to do this type of stuff. It is a powder keg of stupidity. When you went down this, how did you feel after you went down this rabbit hole? It's just, I like to say things don't surprise me anymore. But this one surprised me. I get it. Like, so Swift did endorse Biden in 2020, not until October, a couple weeks before. And we'll chat a little bit more about that. But it, and maybe it's because, I don't know, it never crossed my mind. At first, it seemed a little too convenient. I didn't know if it was a real relationship. But then you watch them and like the cute runs and hugs and kisses and everything. How can you not just watch them? And they're cute and they're happy and they seem it seems very genuine. So it it, it really didn't cross my mind. And then to see this and then, as you said, go down that rabbit hole, it, it, it shocked me. <laughs> when you say too cute, do you mean like when it first started, you're like, OK, this can't be real? Yeah, it just seemed like it came out of nowhere, right? We didn't know anything about it. And then she's sitting in his in his suite with his mom, and it was just seemed so bam in your face. Is it just a PR move or is it real? And then I think subsequent, and I think there was a decent amount of speculation amongst people about that. But then we've seen different things along the way that people are like, okay, this is the real deal. What would be the PR move? I mean, let me just ask. So you again, fantastic prep work. So the 300, so the incentive would be if this was a conspiracy theory that someone, so let's try to deconstruct this and put our tinfoil hats on for a second. So someone approached Taylor Swift and said, we want you to be a part of a conspiracy to what? Boost the no. NFL's bank? What, what, explain to me. Would, it would literally just be more for Kelsey and Taylor. So the speculation around there was that this was for her to get some PR before her new album release, which she just did announce a new album that's coming in April and to boost his career. But my my comeback at that, because I, yeah, my comeback at that is the woman just made over a, mil, a billion dollars or, or her tour, her era's tour like grossed over a billion dollars. She just made $225 million last year on Spotify alone. That's not any other streaming, any other, her movie and her, Taylor Swift does not need a PR stunt. Correct. That's what I'm wondering here. So I'm, I was waiting for the big, because unless I've been in cryosphere, I don't think she needs a PR boost. She's yeah. everywhere. She's doing it all, everything. It, I just, I'm at a loss to figure that out, Why? Yeah. What the where that conspiracy would be. Where this, where I lose, where this gets into a bizarro is when it gets to the Biden presidency and the Vivek pushing of the conspiracy. This is just unhealthy to to bend our minds in this type of way. 
that's where it gets really bonkers. Absolutely. So like I mentioned, she did endorse Biden in 2020. His campus- Which is, this isn't Russia. That's her right. A hundred percent. And this, I'll go off on a little tangent real quick. Celebrities are in a really weird spot when it comes to politics, I feel like. A lot of people look at them and say, stay in your lane, just do your movies or your songs or whatever you're famous for. Nobody wants to hear you about you in politics. And then there's also anytime there are what we see it with the Hamas-Israel war, we see it with abortion, we see it in all of these different things of them getting pushed and asked to use their platform. Why shouldn't they use their platform? It should be no different than a CEO or anybody, a, a teacher or superintendent. Everybody has the right to have their voice be heard. They just have she just happens to have a significant platform. And yes, people are saying that there is there was a, a poll that said published in January that found 18 percent of uh, voters are more likely or significantly more likely to vote for a candidate endorsed by Swift. But on the counter side, 17 percent said they would be less likely to support a Swift favorite choice. So it's a wash like she can do this. She has a voice. It's America. If she wants to support Joe Biden or abortion or any policy or candidate that's available, she should have the right to do that. Correct. Just a couple of questions for you. When as a conservative and to the degree which we would identify as being conservatives and Republicans, have you ever had the approach of when that you would take your political identity and that would be the lens in which you would view entertainment? So, for instance, if you knew the political persuasion of an actor or actress, would that change your intention or your willingness to go see one of their movies or someone who was in a recording artist did music? And they had political views. Would that change your perspective on whether you would go? Would you be able to sit and watch their movies or partake in their in what their work product or in any way? Wait? No, nothing from them saying something in their personal views. I would still watch the movie, listen to the music. Now, where it kind of changes is if there's something that's maybe very politically forward, a movie that's super liberal, radical, left-leaning angle or narrative that they're doing, that would probably annoy me. But no, it doesn't bother me. What I've about never you? been, I've, no, I've never been one to say, because I've always heard this kind of discussion and people say, well, this person's political or that person has a, they're you know, a liberal, there's a, they're conservative. If I want to go see a movie, I'll go see a movie with who I want to see. And I'm interested in the entertainment that's, that I'm watching and on TV and at the movie theater. I'm not going to only go see movies of people that identify as conservatives or identify as center or center right. Now, that being said, there is some rhetoric on both sides that the, the willingness of people to engage in it in some of the inflammatory rhetoric on both sides, that'd be like, yeah, I'm not really interested. If, if that becomes more of their identity, let's talk, let me think of an example. Julie Louise Dreyfus, she is uh, pro-choice. She is, uh, by all accounts, left-leaning. She is a proud Democrat. I think Julie Louise Dreyfus is one of the funniest people on the face of funniest. human earth. I And I've just started to watch a television show called Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry David is an absolute progressive. He is hilarious. Do you have any idea how boring my life would be if I only sat down and watched, only watched the movies of funny center-right people? I could care less about someone's... Now, that being said, you get into some of that type of rhetoric, and particularly, I will just say, in current kind of discussion, situations with the terrorist attacks on Israel and that 
that current conflict. I'm not interested in that is just a line with me. And so people that have been what I would argue to be that have not taken seriously the atrocities against Israel, that would be one that I'd be like, I'm just, they need to sit a few plays out, but I can't, I just want, when I flip on Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm or something else, I just want to watch TV and I can separate that type of stuff. I'm not one who's going to sit down and say, okay, I really like this Curb Your Enthusiasm guy. I'm going to look him up on Wikipedia, figure out what his, and look him up on the FEC. And that's going to drive where the remote control goes. I can't, I'm not going to decide based on someone's contribution history, what rank they come up on the TV show. Right. I I completely agree. There's only so much of John Voight that I can watch. And I will say that having met John Voight, I did meet John Voight. And uh, that being said, having met John Voight, there's only so much of John Voight I can watch. Uh, There's only so much of John Voight out there. Yes. And having been to a couple national conventions and seen conservative celebrities, it's, I just would say to you that if my entertainment view was only through partisan lenses, I would be missing out on a lot of good content. Completely agree. Yep. I, I completely agree. Real quick before we, we move on this topic, did you see that they announced there was going to be a new season of Curb? Yes. I am started to get into this, this show. And one thing I just will say about my wife is has an incredible track record of pinging television shows years in advance and me eventually catching up. When I first met her, she was really into this show called, you may have heard of it, called Seinfeld. Yeah. She was a very early adopter of a TV show called Arrested Development. She has been telling me for a very long time about a television show called Veep. And so she has in just very good, and I've started, I've watched all of those because of that entry point of, of her kind of bringing that stuff up. She was a also ahead of the curve on Curb Your Enthusiasm. And it's just hilarious. And I understand, I know Larry David's political background. I know that he is, but again, I just want to laugh and I just want to watch TV and I want to watch the good stuff and the good stuff, to be very honest with you, the good stuff to me is those types of shows. And and if I cared about someone's political affiliation, or if that was the, the lens in which I would watch stuff, I think I would be watching my ability to watch quality entertainment would there would be a very limited pool in which I could do that. And that's not the way I want to live. If I want to go see a movie, I could care less what someone's political views is. Again, that's being said, when we're dealing with, there's been some celebrities that have gotten involved in, and I'm just like, yeah, I might, that's a line that I'm not super interested in hearing particularly their opinions on about and them getting involved. But in terms of watching TV, Harry David, it, it's absolutely hilarious. And I know I sound like an old man because I'm late to the late to the game on him, but I get where I get his political background. But that doesn't change the fact that watching his show is absolutely unbelievably hilarious. I think that after the football season, maybe our new segment has to be about good TV shows because yes. I got lots to say on it. Uh, well, yeah, like, around- what are your, give me give, give me your definition on a good TV show. All of the ones you support you just said. Arrested okay. Development, Veep, Friends. Got to put all my friends in there. Curb Your Enthusiasm. I love the cringy awkwardness that you sit and feel. It's yes. great. There, Dave, it's great. So let's close out our Swift Kelsey segment here. One thing I just wanted to also say, we talked with Representative Robbins about people getting out and voting, requesting your ballots. Taylor Swift Instagram post in 2023 helped lead to 35,000 new voter registrations. She has an impact. That's doing good for all. 
I love it. Then I want to just chat uh, one thing. We chatted a little bit about it when we talked about the Swift uh, Kelsey saga couple episodes ago. There's a little bit of annoyance I have with all of this. There's a lot of NFL fans that are outraged about Taylor Swift being in being a part of the NFL right now, that she's getting all of this camera time, that people are against it. And it from my perspective, and I'd be interested to hear yours, it, it comes down still to the women versus men side of things. I saw a meme the other day that said, your daughters are watching you hate Taylor Swift for supporting her boyfriend and hearing you complain about her taking 60 seconds of airtime out of your three-hour game. What they hear is be smaller, do less, do better. And it, it really struck me because I do think it's so silly to see this outrage of all of these football fans that are so up in arms that Taylor Swift is taking some limelight away from these professional athletes in the game and all of that. It's not. She's adding to it. Like I said, there's some major influx of new football fans. 13% of Americans are more interested in the NFL now than they were prior to Taylor Swift being there. Isn't that a good thing? Don't we want more people in our bubble in, invested in what I just saw this morning is now considered as America's pastime, America's best game over baseball is now football? Shouldn't that be a good thing? And why does it have to be, again, I went on a rampage last time about if this was George Clooney or Brad Pitt or some famous man that was just at the game supporting their fan or their team over and over. And if they were getting the same screen time, it it would not nearly have the outrage that that, that Taylor Swift does. And it just really, to me, goes back to, again, Anybody that's pissed off about this is pissed because she's a woman and she's she's a woman infiltrating this man's world. And man, it just really irks me. What's your thought on that? Sadly, I agree with you completely. And because if you remember when we discussed this, I literally just said to you, I said, please, can you explain this to me a bit and have me not come to the conclusion that this is just about men getting upset that there is a woman that's involved in their Sunday ritual of watching sports. And I'm more convinced the farther we've gotten away from that episode, that's what this is about. And it's just so tragic and it's just so sad. If you go through some of the, the conspiracy theories that you went down that rabbit hole of about, and a lot of those stem from number one, she's a woman. It also stems from her political affiliation. And that's what upsets them. If this was Kid Rock, I got to tell you something. The MAGA crowd has no problem uh, propping up Kid Rock and promoting when he's doing his activity. They have no concern then. I think the frustration comes with there is not a comparable conservative that they can compete with Taylor Swift. So they're number one, there's a pure number standpoint. She is just a force in the world right now. And she has a legion of fans, a legion of fans that support her work and are passion, passionate about what she is doing. And I don't want to pretend in any type of way that I'm a, a Taylor Swift expert. I've been to one of her concerts and she has been a part of the NFL experience this season in a very public way. That does not detract from my game day experience at all in any way, shape or form. But I do think that a lot of the animosity towards her is because of her political beliefs and the sense of who she supports and because she's a woman. And if Taylor Swift was out there supporting Donald Trump, there wouldn't be one-tenth of these concerns from the other side. She is a incredibly valuable. She, Her work and who she is, her brand, is one of the strongest brands, if not the strongest brand right now, in the facet of entertainment, social media, and now sports. 
And I can understand if you're a Trump supporter, why you're intimidated or concerned by that. I just don't think that there's anything you can do to change it, number one. Number two, a lot of this written and this passionate ugliness is about the fact that she's a woman. And it's just so upsetting and and it's just so challenging and disappointing and something that needs to be called out. It really needs to call out because I, again, as I said the last episode, other than living my dream of going to NFL games and cheering for a successful team and going to sitting in suites and going all across the, the country, I don't know what she's doing wrong. I literally can't think of what she's doing wrong. There has not been any moment. And let me just say to you, Becky, as someone who has gone to NFL games since I could barely walk and how much I enjoy the NFL game day experience, whether I'm at the game or at home, that is a full-on family event for me. I bring my wife and my kids, go to NFL games. It's been a part of me growing up. When I'm at home watching the games and I'm all popped up on sugar soda and I'm bouncing around the house watching these games, do I get mad that they show Taylor Swift for a second? Not one bit. And if she's, to me, if I want the, and I think this is fantastic. And so not only do I not think it's a problem, I think it's a net benefit to the NFL. Look at the revenue, look at the additional eyes that are involved in this. And if I'm thinking of the sport that I never played uh, football my entire life, but of just uh, the sport that I love to watch and enjoy immensely, there's not been one, there's not one thing that Taylor Swift has done in any way, shape, or form that's detracted from my NFL game day experience, whether I'm at the stadium, whether I'm at home, or whether I'm monitoring out through social media. There's not been one thing negative about this. I think it's fantastic. You want to know what's, you want to know what's really interesting about this? And this is why one thing I'll share on air. I was working on a script and taking some notes for this episode, and I was typing at my desk in my office here. My daughter, one of my daughters was standing over my shoulder and she goes, dad, you spelled Travis Kelsey wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> high five. And so just think about that for a moment. She knows who Travis Kelsey is and she knows what's going on. And she corrected a spelling mistake that I made. That's fantastic. My daughter knows NFL players. And how does she know some of those NFL players? She knows because of me taking my daughters and my children to the game and looking at the playbook and, and like looking at like the scorebook and just analyzing all the games and talking about players. But she's also paying attention to the NFL and she knows who Travis Kelsey is. And if you're a dad out there and your daughters or your son or any of your kids know the name of NFL players and you enjoy the NFL, that's a great father, daughter, kid moment. And the fact that my daughter knows enough about the NFL to correct her dad's spelling when he spells the name of an NFL player wrong. That's a high five checkbook for dad, a big dad win because they're paying attention to the sport. And you know why they're paying attention to the sport? It's not because of their old man. It's because of also because Taylor Swift is involved. And that's great. There's a legion of people that are now paying attention to the NFL. And that's wonderful. If I can, if that provides just another nexus point for parents to have conversations and cross-generational stuff. It's just fantastic. And this hatred and this animosity towards Taylor Swift, I think this, I think is driven by politics. First, first and foremost, I think it's driven by just pure sexism. I think it's a woman getting involved in the game day experience, and that's not what people want. Number two, I think a lot of the animosity is driven towards her political views, which she is entitled to have. This isn't Russia. And if you're concerned about the Taylor Swift, the strength and significance of all the Swifties, 
then maybe Republicans need to start thinking about how their legislative agenda and how their policy positions are, why they're not resonating with that incredibly strong coalition of people all across this country. They should be thinking about them as, as appealing to them rather than in, in having an antagonistic relationship with them. And sitting down, I cannot think of a, a sillier, more disrespectful exercise than for some angry male to be sitting down in front of a keyboard and typing up some screed and some narrative against how Taylor Swift going to an NFL game is a part of some government experience conspiracy, and that needs to be diminished. The only thing that I will criticize Taylor Swift for is not coming to U.S. Bank because it's a great stadium. I would have proudly cheered for the I would have proudly cheered for the Vikings as I always would have. I would have, in full, full disclosure, I would have cheered, cheered against her boyfriend, and I would have cheered against the Kansas City Chiefs, but it's a great game day experience, and I wish she would have come. It would have been great if she was there, but she certainly is not doing anything wrong that warrants this type of organized animosity and hatred. And if I can just close on just get off my soapbox here, what I'm concerned about is the introduction of these conspiracy theories and this rabbit hole that you went down in kind of prep for this show you are really dealing with some twist, twisted kind of minds and discussions when you're talking about this be some kind of psyop and some kind of organized plot. No, what this is, there is a very successful singer who ha- was able in was is has a boyfriend who plays for the NFL. They're in a they're in a storybook relationship that would a Hollywood couldn't script. She is has come to her political views, through her life experiences, and she has every opportunity in the United States of America to use her platform any way that she wants. Just like Kid Rock can use his, just like John Voigt can use his, just like any actor or actress can use their platform any way they want. Now, make no mistake about it, in the marketplace of ideas, people can be critical of entertainers stepping into that lane and doing that stuff, but there's not anything wrong she has every right just as much as everybody else does to do it. And that's my rant on this right now. I fully concur. I just want to close with when I was going down this rabbit hole and, and reading all of this, it brought me back to our conversation with Pat Kessler last year where the difference between misinformation and disinformation and how dangerous this new wave these last couple of years of not just saying things that are are not fully backed up, but completely choosing a new narrative and driving a train towards something that is so false that she is working for the Pentagon and Department of Defense. And she's it, it's so wild and so dangerous to get there because it does people are influenced. And the plethora of of news articles out there on these conspiracy theories um, because of folks like a former one of the most recently dropped out presidential candidates for our party, Vivek. It's just, it's really unfortunate and it's really upsetting. And I hope we can get away from it because it's just not helping the Republican cause at all that we have these black helicopters, wackadoodle ideas coming from some prominent folks within the Republican Party. And it's crazy. I'm excited to wit- to watch the game. Which game are we watching? watching? We're watching the Super Bowl. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's going to win? Ooh. Yeah. So you go first. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Chiefs. Sucker! I, yeah. I was waiting for you to see you go first. Let me just say this to you. I, 
here's what I would just say a couple of things. Just let me go on. If it had I mean, been obviously the Detroit... Chiefs real quick, it's obviously the Chiefs because of the conspiracy, right? Yes. I think, first of all, I think it's going to be a great game. I was worried about the Detroit Lions getting in because, as I tweeted out on social media, if the Detroit Lions win a Super Bowl for the Minnesota Vikings, that will put me <laughs> over the edge. I don't know what the edge is, but that's just too much for me to understand. So this will be a game that I think is going to be fun to watch, going to be a great contest. I'm sentimentally rooting a little bit for the 49ers, the Brock Purdy, the, he's from the state of Iowa. And so there's, I think my household is going to be 49ers. But let me just say this to you. It's not, if, let me just say this to you, whoever I cheer for or against, it has nothing to do with Taylor Swift, her boyfriend, or anything related to that. I cannot begin to say to you enough how little that factors in to this. Now, if it was the Detroit Lions, I would have probably protested outside the stadium and made sure that the Detroit Lions didn't win because I'm not prepared for that. But none of my cheering for or against is going to be determined by Taylor Swift and Kelsey's Travis Kelsey at all. It's not one bit. I agree. So you're take so let's just do this and you're taking the Chiefs. Yep. I'll take the 49ers. All right. What and we'll, I don't know right? what we're betting, but be... we'll see here. All right. Becky. All right. Thank you for uh, leading the show, the discussion, getting all everything arranged, and uh, for not wearing your tinfoil hat about this. I do my best. Had to take it off just to be able to put my headphones on today, but it was worth it. Great job. We'll see you later. We want to thank you for listening to The Breakdown with Broadcore and Becky. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on the platform where you listen. You can leave a review or give us a shout out on our website or across all social media platforms at BB Breakpot. The Breakdown with Broadcore Becky will return next week. Thank you again for listening.